good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. Would like to welcome you all to another episode of the show, episode 120. Today, I wanted to take a look at the Premiership, Premier League, I should say. I haven't talked a lot about the league in itself. I've talked a little bit about Arsenal this year, and that's pretty much been it. I haven't really revisited the Premier League uh, since it's, since it got underway. We're past the halfway mark where some clubs have played 2021 games. Some have played even less, but uh, the most important part is we're past that halfway point. So I think it's important to kind of look back a little bit and see where some teams are and what the title race looks like and some of the teams struggling, some of the teams surprising maybe. And yeah, so I just wanted to take a look at, at some of that stuff. And at the end, I'll have a little um, section where I just do a few random stories. It's not really anything too big, but um, off the top, got to say it's a, as of right now, it's a wide open race for the title. So we have Liverpool with 45 points in, from 20 matches. Manchester City with 43 points, 20 matches. Aston Villa, 43 points, 21 matches. Arsenal, 40 points from 20 matches. And Tottenham Hotspur, 40 points from 21 matches. So Manchester City and Tottenham have already gone through their rough little stretch. So the one thing that I always say is every team, no matter if you win the title or if you finish second, third, seventh, whatever the case may be, you go through a rough patch during the season. Now, when Manchester City was winning the titles and like losing one or two matches a season, their rough patch might have been a four or five game stretch where they drew two or three times and lost one. That's kind of a rough stretch for Manchester City. A lot of Clubs would love for their rough stretch to look like that. Let's be serious. Whereas for other teams, a rough stretch is losing 6 of 7. Or 7 of 10 or something along the lines of that. 7 of 10 is a lot to lose. It's almost a third of the season. So they've kind of been through their rough stretch, I believe. And they had some injury concerns at the time as well. And poor results. Uh, Tottenham had injuries and suspensions pile up very early. Like we're talking about Madsen uh, um, Madison was out. Um, Van de Veen was was out. He's back now. Romero was suspended. Udogi was suspended. They just had injuries all over the place, and that's that was their rough stretch. So they had a a number of games. Can't remember exactly, but they lost something like two or three, or maybe even four in a row, or they didn't have a win in that stretch, but. They've kind of gone through their stretch now. And I think that they've performed very well this season when you take all that into consideration. Like, they're they're only five points behind um, first place Liverpool. And they've missed a lot of games. Now they're missing Son. Uh, he's out uh, with the Asian Cup. They got Richarlison playing really well. Madison was probably one of the better players in the league when he was on the pitch. And then just, like I said, injuries started to pile up for the team and they just didn't have the necessary depth to kind of keep them afloat while all those players were out or injured, whatever. And I think that they could have been a lot higher than fifth. I think that they could have been second or third right now, if not for injuries. I think Ange Postacoglu has done an excellent job with the squad. And this is kind of, I think, their blueprint going forward with how to run a team and they, they still do a lot of the things that they did under previous managers where they're 
really good on the counterattack. They really haven't gone away from that, and, and they just, they're just excellent all over the pitch. Defensively, I think they could get a little bit better, um, and that's when they signed uh, Dragushin from, from Genova, but they got a really good goalkeeper now. Backline needs a little bit of fixing. I think their midfield with Yves Basuma and Sari is, is good to very good. They still have Sun there, who's had a really good season thus far. He was off last season. Um, I think he only had something like five or six goals, which is very uncharacteristic of him. So they're starting to click at the right time. And then once you know, Sun gets back and, and they side Timo Werner, which I don't, I don't really think that was a good signing, but I guess adding depth uh, up until Sun is back is, is always a good thing. And yeah, I honestly think that they could have been a lot higher than, than fifth if they were healthy. Um, if Liverpool can hang on to this lead with Salah out, I think it's a huge bonus for them. So right now they're first, like I said, two points clear of, of Manchester City, same amount of matches played. Um, so the matches that Salah would potentially miss is Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Arsenal away, and then Burnley. And that's if Egypt goes all the way to the finals of the uh, African Cup of Nations. So two potential big matches against Chelsea and Arsenal. Like, those are huge matches to miss for him. Especially the Arsenal away, that can literally be a battle for, for first place at the time. Or it could have a significant role in who wins the title going forward. And it's unfortunate for him that, that it kind of worked out like that for, I mean, for Liverpool and for, for Mo Salah, but you know, that's the way it is. And I don't think Bournemouth is, is a walkover either. Burnley, they should win, but Chelsea and Arsenal, those are going to be very uh, interesting matches for, for Liverpool. And I know Virgil van Dijk was out against Arsenal in the um, cup tie, but I think, I think he's okay. And, and they've done really well this season. I think all over the pitch that they've been, they've been really good. Um, Arsenal is currently going through its worst stretch of the, worst stretch of the season. Um, you know they've had some bad results recently, losing to to West Ham and and, and just some other poor, inexcusable results. And this is kind of their rough stretch. So we're used to Arsenal. Hopefully, this is our only bad stretch of the season because we know when February March rolls around, we go through stretches where we do lose two or three in a row, and, and then our it ends are either our title hopes. Or finishing in the top four. So hopefully this is our rough stretch. But it's interesting how everyone's form has fallen very quickly for Arsenal. No player has been informed the last three matches or so. So everyone's form has taken a dip over the last, let's say, month or so. They got to get out of this as quick as possible. And they have to be able to... First of all, they don't score a lot of goals. I, I firmly do believe... To win a Premier League title, you have to have a goal scorer who can give you 20 to 25 a season. Arsenal doesn't have that in either Eddie Nketiah or Gabriel Jesus. Both have their strengths and weaknesses, but neither guy can score 20 to 25 goals in a Premier League season. And that's the the big Achilles heel for this club. And the fact that Arteta and Edu don't want to admit it, that they, that they still ride for Eddie Nketiah is, is just crazy to me. Because I don't think you could win a title with this team. I would be shocked if this team wins a title. Even when you take a look at Leicester City's match, the team that won the title, I think Vardy had over 20 goals that season. Maybe even close to 30. He scored a lot of goals for them. And it just proves to you that you need a 30-goal scorer. We all know what Holland has done 
since he's come to Manchester City. We all know what Salah's done for close to whatever 10 years that he's been at Liverpool or, or however long he's been there. Um, so they need to get out of this as soon as they can if they want to keep up in the uh, title race. Otherwise, they're going to be fighting for fourth. And that's not even a guarantee um, going forward, I don't think. Aston Villa is going through a bit of a rough patch as well. Um, they've drawn to Sheffield United, who are, I believe, last. Sheffield United is last with nine points. Uh, they drew to Everton, who is 17th. And they lost to Manchester United after being up 2-0. So this is their rough patch of the season. And how do they respond? We'll see. But I think... Um, But I think with, with Unai Emery there, look, they beat City. And with Unai Emery there, he's a... So when, when Unai was at Arsenal, I didn't mind Unai as much as other people. He knew that when he played teams like Manchester City and the big dogs, you fight fire with fire. You go as offensive as possible because you could play defensively, lose 5-0, but you can also play attacking football and still lose 5-0. So what's the difference here? And he used to he used to play very offensive football, which I was all for. The results weren't there because I, the team honestly wasn't good enough at that point. So, I mean, I, I can't really hold a grudge against him, but he's really done an excellent job with this Aston Villa team. Have him sitting in third right now, 43 points from 21 matches. Uh, third most, as I can see, third most goals scored in the league. They do concede a lot as well because they do play attacking football. But, you know, they're sitting they're sitting pretty good right now. And, and if they can keep this up, they're, they're going to be in a title fight as well. Emi Martinez in goal, who's an exceptional goalkeeper. Um, so yeah, it, it's for them this is a dream scenario. And I now I know we're we're about two and a half weeks into the transfer window, but I expected more signings from the from these five clubs because of the reason that I mentioned that the league is pretty wide open. Like we have five teams within five points of each other, and some teams have less matches played, so it could be potentially even closer. So and and one one signing could literally make a difference for any of these teams. I think for Arsenal a goal scorer would benefit them. For Tottenham they went out and got a defender. I think now whether he's up to the Premier uh, Premier League quality, we'll see. Um, I think Aston Villa could also do do with a defender. I think all City needs to do is kind of get healthy now. Liverpool are looking good. Maybe strengthen the midfield a little bit if they if if there's that chance. But I'm surprised that teams um, haven't gone out and, and bought players or bought in players alone. And I know that we've been hearing for forever that it's very difficult to sign players uh, in the January transfer window. I'm a firm believer that if you do have the money and you are willing to spend, you can get the players that you want. Just looking back at Arsenal, I know one season we got um, we got Mesut Ozil. I think another season we got. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, like, if you're willing to dash out the cash, you're able to bring in players um, that could kind of fit the profile and help you uh, win the title. It's just how much are will, how much are teams willing to spend now versus waiting for the summer and to kind of address some things and, and things like that. So that, I think that's the big question. Uh, Manchester United, Newcastle, and Chelsea struggles. So start off with with Manchester United, um, it feels like Ten Hag has lost trust in this team. So he's dealt with some things off the pitch, obviously, um, with with Anthony and Mason Greenwood, 
and the Sancho stuff as well. Sancho's off at Bayern Munich, or pardon me, Borussia Dortmund, where he had a an assist in his in his first match. So it's great to see him back on the pitch. Just Anthony hasn't worked out for them at all. A lot of money to spend on a, on a player that just hasn't produced for them or anywhere near the level of of the money that they spent on him. Rashford's been in poor form all season. I know he scored a few days ago. I can't remember who they played, but he did score his first home, in his first home match, I think in 15 matches. Um, Big-time injuries to the back line. It's not an excuse, but it is reality. Onana, I thought, was an excellent pickup for them from Inter Milan. He's given up some absolute stinkers this season. The, the, the goals that he's allowed... It, it's it's how he's conceded and the amount of goals that he's conceded this season. So it's it's both. So it it's the worst of both worlds. And some of the honestly, some of the goals are, are just comical. I, I just don't understand how a professional goalkeeper who plays for one of the biggest clubs in the world can allow goals like that. The Champions League campaign has been horrible. They ended up with four points in in a group that I think most people saw them getting through. They couldn't do it. And listen, if not for key goals from Garnacho and McTominay, yes, McTominay, they could easily be anywhere from 12th to, to 14th, 15th. I don't think it's far-fetched to say. McTominay scored some huge goals for them, and so has, so has Garnacho. And Garnacho, you can argue, has been their best player this season. And now he's starting to cement himself into the starting lineup and to play a lot of matches and to start ahead of sometimes Rashford or... Or Martial, if if looks like he's on his way out too, but if if he's not you know available, he starts over them as well. So it's not even like the kid is doing really well, and you could you could tell that he has extraordinary potential. He just has to keep going on this upward trajectory, and to be de- depending on Johnny Evans, God bless him in two thousand twenty three and twenty four is kind of crazy. I thought Johnny Evans was retired. And now he's playing a key role in the back line. You bring back Maguire, who you kind of wrote off, who was kind of on his way out, didn't want to leave. And now he's playing a pivotal part as well. You're still conceding a lot of goals. He's still making mistakes. Although for the most part, I have to say, he's been he's been a good defender this season. So you're kind of all over the place. And they've lost to Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, and and Nottingham Forest. So it, it's teams in the, in the bottom half, right? Which I, and I understand a lot of teams lose to... A lot of clubs from the top half lose to teams in the bottom half, but when you're when you're already seventh place, those it's a lot of points to lose. It's a lot of points to lose. So, you know they kind of got their work cut out for them. I think they'll have a better idea of what's going to happen in the summertime. Does Ten Hag stay? I know that the whole um, you know takeover now with someone else buying the club is kind of plays a role as well. They're just all over the place, and I don't think. If you're if you're a big club like Manchester United or or Liverpool, I don't know if you really have like a full reset of the club, if you know what I mean. I don't know if you go into full rebuild mode. I think you just tweak here and there. I, I don't know if it's possible for clubs like that to go into full rebuild mode. Even when even when um uh, we when Klopp took over Liverpool, I don't think they went to full rebuild mode. So they they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get some transfers in because because for, for sure some of these guys I actually like Rasmus Hoyland. I think he's gonna be a very good center forward. And he scored a really nice goal in their last match. So yeah, um, 
I think he has a future as well. And you add Garnacho to that. So now you have like kind of like a kind of like a base on how you want your attack to look. And now your plan is your plan has to be be offensively to build around those players and the defensively just to kinda add new players. Like they're still depending on Luke Shaw and, and Aaron Juan Basaka. Like God bless. I don't think they're bad players, but it's it's you've been on this project for five, six years now, even longer. And it hasn't really worked out for you. Uh, Newcastle. I th- I think that their biggest issue is that they've been absolutely hammered with injuries this season. So Harvey Barnes, I'm going to read you the amount of matches that players have missed. Harvey Barnes, 25 matches missed. Jacob Murphy, 19. Elliot Anderson, 19. Joe Linton, 19. Matt Target, 17. Joe Willick, 13. Nick Pope, 11. And I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon. Callum Wilson's only missed four, but we'll see when he's back. But I'm not even going to talk about the guys that they had missing matches earlier like Alexander Isak missed a bunch of matches uh Dan Byrne missed some matches their entire back line at one point was reserve players they would make one or two or none or no substitutions in matches just because their bench was that thin and it was 17 18 19 year olds on the bench they've lost six of their last seven which is worrisome they were they were top for for most of the season and then they just really started losing matches at a rapid pace nine wins and 10 losses now 41 goals scored 32 conceded so they've conceded a lot with Nick Pope out Nick Pope is one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League definitely top five I would say and Ken Eddie Howe last the entire season I've I think it's very difficult it would be very difficult for me to sack a manager because of the injuries that the team that the team has sustained. Like this is you can't control this. If it's two or three injuries and you're performing this badly, then it's understandable. But when it's when you're missing six or seven of your starters, no matter how good your depth is, it's really hard to to stay at a very high level. So I don't know if there's anything that Eddie Howe can even do about this. Again, January is a time where a lot of clubs don't want to spend money. And that's understandable. And Bruno Guimaraes has been linked with with PSG, which is probably terrible for Newcastle because they're already shorthanded. Alexander Isak, from what I'm hearing, is is Arsenal kind of poking around now. They can't lose players in, in the January transfer window. They should probably sign, but they cannot lose players right now. There's just no way. They're going to drop to 15th if they do this. And for a team, I think a lot of people thought when they had their new, um, when they had their new takeover, that they were spending a lot of money. We really haven't seen that. It's been it's been nice signings for like fifteen to thirty five, forty million, and they've worked out for them for the most part. Um, Kennedy, how last the season? If he keeps losing, honestly, I don't think so. Even though I wouldn't really think about sacking him. Because again, you can't do anything. The injuries are just way too much. Now, if he gets players back by the end of this month, by February, and then they start and they continue in this downward spiral, then I think you do have to sack him. And Jose Mourinho has been mentioned. And Jose Mourinho was sacked yesterday by Roma. So, and I and if. I think he's spoken highly about Newcastle in the past or one of his favorite players used to play for Newcastle. I can't remember right now. But he's going to be a guy who's going to be linked to the job. He's coached what? Like 
three or four Premier League clubs, right? Like we've seen him at Tottenham, we've seen him at at um, United, we've seen him at Chelsea. That's three already. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm just looking at the standings. So he'd be his fourth Premier League club. So he's familiar with the club. He's he's won trophies here. So it's not like you're bringing in a guy who you don't know what you're going to get out of, right? So so that's huge. That's huge for for them. I think if they could get Mourinho, that'd be that'd be really good. And like I said, they've just they've gone through two stretches where they've lost more than three in a row. So they started the season second, third, and fourth match day where they lost three in a row, and now they've lost four in a row. And yeah, it, it's been it's been a tough season for them. And that one nil win against Arsenal, there was a lot of talk about you know foul offside, whatever have you. But they haven't performed well against the, the bigger clubs this season. And I think that's something that they're going to have to get through if they want to compete at the next level. Um, yeah, and it's just... it's just Results are just way up and down. Like, it's the highest of the highs and, and the lowest of the lows. Um, it's a, and it's a quality side when they're healthy. Like, that that's the thing. They're very defensively sound when they're healthy. It's just that losing Nick Pope was huge. Like, there's a reason why you only have one goalkeeper and usually you're usually your your first choice is a lot better than your second choice. Although Dubrovka has been really good since he's come in for Nick Pope. But Nick Pope is one of the better goalkeepers in this league. Like I said, uh, I, I think he's like the England number two behind Pickford if you had to have a pecking order. So yeah, it, it's been tough for them. Uh, Chelsea, all those purchases and not much to show for it. A ton of misses and injuries with their with their with with the players that they've bought. The thing is, they're just going to continue to buy more. And I think that's how they're going to get out of this. They're just going to continue to, to, to buy more. So if you look back to last summer, or the 2022-23 signing, so you got Enzo Fernandez, who's been decent for them at best. Wesley Fofana, who has been injured for a year. Uh, Mikhail Mudrik, who's now kind of starting to resemble a footballer, but he was it was absolutely comical when he first got there. Uh Cucurella's out for for a while now, but he all he hasn't been a good purchase. Raheem Sterling's been decent. Uh but yeah Shields missed sometimes with with injuries. Kulbali's already gone. Uh Madueke's complained about playing time. Gusto looks decent. Um they brought in Pierre uh Emmerich Obamiang on loan if you or sorry they purchased him and then let him go. Um Davidatro Fofanaz, I believe at Burnley right now. So so that's 2022-23. And you got 23 24. Moises Casado hasn't really settled since he's joined. Uh, Romeo Lavia has been injured for a long time. He came back from injury and then I think he tweaked something again. Um, and Cuckoo's been injured, then he came back, then it looks like he tweaked something again. Cole Palmer's been a really good signing for them. And honestly, if not for him, they'd probably be a lot lower in this table. He's been their best player this season. The Sassy's been okay. Nicholas Jackson is meh. Robert Sanchez is injured. Like, there's just... Georgia Petrovic is now, the, I guess, for the time being, the number one. Like, it's crazy. And I don't, I don't know what a lot of these players were expecting when they signed here. Like, do they not see how many players Chelsea is signing every month or every week? Like there's gonna be competition, so there's no reason for players to be mad that they're not playing. You have to fight for your for your job. I mean, nothing is gonna be given to you. You know where you're coming. You know that they're signing four or five players a month. So I don't know how this is a shock to any of them, and 
and all the complaining and stuff. I don't know what managers, I don't know what the Liverpool or sorry, the, the Chelsea upper management have promised them in terms of playing time or if they were guaranteed playing time or what, but this is, this is, I mean, I don't know. When City was coming up in like 2010-11, I don't think they even brought this, bought this many players. And when City did buy players, they at least hit on one in every two or three. Looks like Chelsea can't hit on any of them. Apart from Cole Palmer, you can make an argument that none of these guys have worked out. And a lot of them is injuries, and I it's not fair, and, I, and I'm the first one to say... It's it's very tough for me to say that a player is a was a flop if he's been injured. Like that's something you just can't control. But holy smoke, some of these guys just just aren't good enough. And like I said, they're just gonna continue to buy players until they're punished by the Premier League. Which I don't see happening. I mean, it's cool to punish a seventeenth place Everton who would be twelfth if they weren't punished for for, for you know, spending, but that's you know, a story for another day. Um, Luton Town. Are they staying up? I got to say. So they have the same amount of goals scored as, as Manchester United. That's pretty crazy, no? 24? That's a crazy number. Um, I've been impressed with what they've done, and I think everyone has. I honestly thought that they would have the lowest um, amount of points in Premier League history. So, th- So the record is 11 points by Derby County. In 2007-8. They currently have 16. So. I probably should have said that for, for Sheffield United. You know they have 9. So I mean, what they've done is. is extra- I love their I love their stadium. I have those small stadiums man. Getting. That many fans to come out. And they're just all on top of the players. It, it's so great. I, I love stuff like that. I absolutely love stuff like that. So. Um. I honestly hope that they do stay up because they've deserved it. And they've had some... First of all, Rob Edwards deserves credit. Uh, I think that his name is is going to be one of the... Whenever a manager is fired in the Premier League, I think his name is going to be thrown around for the job right away. So whoever the first manager is, unless it's one of the, like the top six clubs, I think his name is going to be thrown out there. Like if Ten Hag gets, gets sacked, I don't think his, his name is, is going to come up. If... um. Uh, the Chelsea manager, I forget his name now. Uh, Pochettino, I don't think he's going to be mentioned that. Newcastle, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But like Wolves, Bournemouth, Fulham, all these other teams. Crystal Palace, if if um, Hodgson does decide to leave, I think his name will come up. Like he's done extremely well with this team. There's no quit in these guys. Like there's just no quit. And they've narrowly lost to Manchester City, Arsenal. Manchester United, Tottenham, and Chelsea. All one-goal games. Although Chelsea beat them early in the season by, I think, 3-1 or something like that. But all one-goal games. For a team that we thought, that I at least thought, was going to break the record for lowest amount of points in the Premier League. Just crazy. It's just crazy. And, and sometimes when a team isn't um, isn't faced with, with so much pressure, this is what they can do. And they've done a great job and I'm pulling for them to stay up because even that Arsenal match I remember watching that you know Declan Rice had to score in in like the 96th minute to to give Arsenal the 3-2 win but they're just excellent on the counter attack and it and the team is just I mean the most expensive player I think is worth 13 million euros 
which is nothing in today's market. And they've done a great job of going out and getting veteran players to to blend in with the, with the youth. And I'm a, I'm a fan of that in every sport. I think you have to have a good mix of young and veteran players. And I think they've done exactly that. So right now they're 18th out of 20. Um, they're one point behind Everton for 17th and three points behind uh, Brentford for 19th. Or three points behind Brentford for 16th. So now I'm going to talk about some random stuff very quickly. So there's been um, rumors about Dominic Solanke leaving Bournemouth. I don't think that they should sell him. He has 12 goals this season, ranks third in goals scored in the Premier League. They're going to have issues scoring if he, if he does leave because the second leading goal scorer has four or five. And it feels like he's been kind of pushing them in the right direction. They currently sit 12th, um, seven wins, four draws, eight losses. If I'm then I'm if I'm them I'm not selling. I think his stock is only going to rise if they keep him. I would like him at Arsenal, for example. But if I'm if I'm Bournemouth, I'm not selling. If he keeps this up, if he can get to seventeen to twenty goals, they're going to get a lot of money for him this this summer. I think that Arsenal would revisit that. I think that a club like Chelsea, of course, would revisit that. Um, maybe even like an Aston Villa or or Tottenham would, would take a look as well. So if I'm if I'm them, I'm not selling. If if I'm an Arsenal fan, I, I would want him in my club. Because you could get him for cheaper now than you would in the summer. Um what happens with Joao Paulinha? So will he be sold? Fulham currently sit thirteenth. Minus eight goal differential. We've heard the Bayern Munich stuff fell through last was it last summer or last January? I think it was this past summer fell through Arsenal have shown interest again I would love him at Arsenal as well because it then free frees up Declan Rice to do some different things where Polina is more of a defensive midfielder he's great in slight or great at tackles great at controlling the other team's best player really strong in that midfield area I would love him at Arsenal now will it happen I don't think that the transfer to Arsenal will happen if I'm Fulham if I'm Fulham I think that I would sell him right now the question is I mean can you get more for him in the summer I'm not too sure I don't know but again teams are very hesitant to make moves in January like moves will happen but I think that they're gonna wait until until the summer and they remember they sold Alexander Mitrovic who's a consistent goal scorer for them and now they, they kind of miss him right they're, they're still searching for that striker who can give them 12 to 15 goals a season so they might they might be looking at that transfer saying you know what we got rid of Mitrovic and and we haven't been able to find a goal scorer what's going to happen when we get rid of Paulinho like then now we have to go look for a defensive midfielder and then now you have to go in the open market and now you have to lure someone in and I don't know if that's going to happen so I think that they should sell him but I don't think that they will in January uh Sheffield United and Burnley to get relegated again it looks like it 20th and 19th respectively in the uh, league table Burnley only three wins 21 goals scored 42 conceded Sheffield United 15 goals scored 49 conceded yikes um, 12 points for Burnley like I said and Sheffield United with nine I think it's going to be battle all season between the two clubs uh, I don't know I don't have the schedule in front of me I don't know if they meet again but that's going to be a huge huge match and even that battle to, to, to stay up really with Sheffield United, Burnley, uh, Luton Town, Everton, and 
surprisingly Brentford, but I guess maybe not so surprised. Even Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace are still there, but um, Brentford as well. I just wanted to touch on the topic as well. Do you see what happens when you don't have a consistent goal scorer, a guy like Ivan Tony? Plus you mix in some injuries, although they don't have plenty, but they do have some. This is what happens, right? You you need a you need a goal scorer in your team if you want to stay up in the Premier League. It's very hard finding four or five guys who can give you nine, ten goals a season. Almost impossible. And now they're missing Ivan Tony. And I think this is why their price for Ivan Tony has skyrocketed. You can argue that his price is higher now that he hasn't played in a year, whatever it's been, versus when he was on the pitch. Because you can see what they're missing. They're 16th. They have 26 goals scored this season in 19 matches. Ivan Tony would have at least scored 10 by now. So this is what it means to have a a formidable goal scorer, a talisman, as they say. And they're missing him. And I think he's going to, once he gets back, if, if they do keep him, and I think that they will up until at least the summer, you'll see the difference between this Brentford club. They'll start getting get rolling a little bit. And like I said, they have had some injuries, but having Ivan Tony back is going to do them do great things for them. And I don't I don't expect them to be in the relegation battle for for much longer. And they have a really good um, manager as well. And it's it's honestly a solid team. Like they've done some really good purchases for that fifteen to thirty um, million region. They've done an excellent job in that. So that's the podcast for today a little bit of premier league like i said haven't covered much of it in the in this season at all apart from arsenal haven't really talked too much Uh, i don't even remember if i did a predictions podcast on where i thought um everyone would finish but i should do that next time so yeah that's the podcast for today Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch up again down the road so remember you can hear this podcast on spotify apple podcast Castbox, google podcast iHeartRadio, overcast Pocket Cast and Radio Public. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch up again down the road. Take care.